They said, wake up, wake up, wake up, 502 is going down. Welcome in to Wake Up 502 with Rashawn Myers. This is your boy Rashawn Myers coming to you live from the Palatial Studios with WXVW 96.1 FM, Big X Sports Radio. It is going down on a beautiful, clear, a little bit chilly and breezy Saturday morning here in the Ville. I am very, very happy and honored and excited to be with you this morning, uh, this January 28, 2023. Uh, I will soon be joined by my man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Aisha the Izzo, Haven Harrington. Uh, he will be along as well as Mr. Uh, Joe Kelly at That Boy's Good. Uh, we are here on a lovely Saturday morning talking to you about all the things happening uh, in the local and national world of sports. Um, had to start it. I had to get it started right. Yeah, y'all know who that was. Yeah, that was Bone Thugs and Harmony, Cleveland's own. Uh, had to give them a little bit of love this morning to celebrate Donovan Mitchell. Okay, I know a lot of places like, you know, that they got to jump right into the the U of L and the UK and talking all that stuff. And I know there's a lot of stuff going on, but congratulations, Donovan Mitchell. Got to give you a shout out. Named an all star starter for the first time in your career. Congratulations. His fourth all star appearance overall. Uh, First time named a starter. The first University of Louisville basketball player to ever start in the All-Star game. Uh, so super, super excited for Donovan, super excited to see uh, what he can do on the grandest stage and, uh, you know, probably one of the top honors, um, you know, non-award-based honors that you can receive in the NBA. So Spider Mitchell just continues to do great things. So I had to do a little bit of Bone Thugs uh, to, to bring you in and, and uh, you know, get you going uh, this morning. So a uh, big shout-out to Donovan for that. But, of course, uh, we have so many things to get into to this morning of course uh, University of Louisville is the gift that keeps on giving the Cardinals do uh, have a game coming up at noon today uh, on the road once again taking on Notre Dame trying to get off the snide Uh, they've lost I believe nine games in a row Uh, so you know they had a nine game losing streak to start the year uh, before they got their first win uh, versus WKU Um, you know now they have backed that up after getting uh, two wins in a row uh, with nine additional losses in a row. So uh, we'll have to see if, if Louisville can figure out a way uh, to get off 
uh, you know, get off the bench and and break that streak once again? Will they break it before it gets to ten games in a row? Um, so you know, we're going to talk about that. Uh, some of the interesting conversations throughout the week associated with the University of Louisville basketball program. There's been a lot of conversations as, of course, uh, you know, things continue to pile up. We talked a lot about Emmanuel Okorafor last uh, week and and you know the thoughts on him and uh, you know what it meant in terms of bringing a young man this late into the proceedings to to the uh, team. Uh, of course, we did not get to see him. Uh, so, you know, we're going to kind of get into that, what that means, uh, and just some of the moves that have been made this week. Uh, we're also going to get into uh, Jeff Brom. Uh, Jeff Brom is, is back on the uh, recruiting trails. Got a couple of big-time, big-time, big-time prospects um, on campus this weekend. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, very, very excited to, to talk about that. Uh, he's back trying to strengthen uh, the Flyville 23 class. So, uh, of course, uh, National signing day part due uh the second national signing day is coming up uh next wednesday uh so you know that there's some so still some still still some gold out there y'all like i know that you know everybody celebrates the early signing period and of course with so many of louisville's uh new uh you know players and new additions to the team already on campus you kind of forget that there is a second national signing day and that will be coming up next week so louisville's still out there you know jeff brown has said you know he's going to continue to beat the bushes while they are you know very very excited about the prospects in 2024 they ain't done yet um, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, and then, of course, you have the uh, NFL Championship Weekend. Um, you know, you have AFC, NFC Championship games. Uh, you know, you got the Eagles and 49ers on one side, uh, Chiefs and Bengals on the other side. Um, very, very interesting matchups. Uh, we're going to have Leanne Herring, who's going to join us uh, in the second hour uh, to give us her thoughts on those picks. And she said she may give us some thoughts on the recruiting trails as well. Uh, Leanne is very uh, locked in and dialed in uh, to the recruiting world. So I may have to ask her about a couple of these folks that Louisville uh, is bringing in for visits and just kind of her general thoughts on what Jeff Brom has done uh, in his start to that. Yeah, you know, I know Leanne usually comes on and just, you know, gives her picks, uh, you know, mainly college. But, of course, last week um, gave picks for the NFL divisional round. But Leanne knows her stuff, man. She knows her recruiting as well. Um, so, We'll get into that. But to get started, and until, of course, uh, my main man, Have, uh joins us uh, and gives us his thoughts, um, I, I do want to start with um, just general thoughts. Like well, one of the things that I've always done, I know that, you know, if you, if you listen to a lot of shows and you listen to a lot of people that talk about this basketball program, they always say, you know, in, when a team is losing like this, they just don't know what to talk about. They don't know how to handle it. They just don't know how to break down uh, what's happening. Uh, and, and, you know, for, for me and the, the way in which I look at it, there's always something that can be gleaned from these games. I watch these games very intently. Um, I watch these games very, very purposefully. Um, and, and I'm watching a lot because there's still a lot you can get out of all of these games. Yes, are you frustrated because Louisville's continuing to lose? Yes, absolutely. I, I would be near the top of that list if you follow me on Twitter um, at R-A-A-S-H-A-A-N, uh, Rashawn on Twitter. Um, <laughs> you know my frustrations. And, and, you know, I've been a little bit less active on social media um, just because a lot of people, the the the, uh, the, the daggers and, and pitchforks and, you know, torches came out, <laughs> people chasing me around. So I did kind of give a um, – 
uh, uh, a bit of a break uh, on a lot of that. But, you know, I I do want to say that um, there's still a lot you can learn about it. You know, like I said, you know, I feel like a lot of people think that the players are just the only ones under the microscope, and and I've been blatantly against that thought. I I really and truly felt, especially because Kenny Payne was a first-year head coach, that he had a lot he needed to show as well. He needed to show growth. He needed to show understanding. He needed to show IQ in terms of being able to make adjustments both in games and then uh, outside of games, between games, um, to to just better – you know, find success on the court. And and that's probably where I think my biggest issue has been so far um, is that Kenny has done very, very little to adjust what he's doing. And and that's kind of where I'm at today. And, And, you know, with that thought, everybody's had the conversations of, should he be fired? Should that even be a conversation? We've heard some people on one side of the line say, there's no way you can fire a guy after one year. This is a ridiculous conversation. He's a new head coach, you know, and and you have that side of the argument. I definitely understand that side of the argument. You have other people that say this is terrible. Louisville may be the worst power five, power six team of all time. Um, you know, this thing is a disaster. It's going to continue to be a disaster. It's been a financial disaster. And I totally agree with all those things as well. Um, but the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Um, you know, I, I think that the decision that's going to be made is going to be multi-layered. It's going to be for a, a multitude of reasons, and there are pros and cons to each. And I think that because of that, this is not going to be an easy decision. That's why it's so important to continue to watch these games and see what you can see inside the game, inside uh, what's happening, because you have to see if, they are, if there is anything there. It's kind of like when you're test driving a car and you're, you're driving around listening for any knocks or any hiccups, you know, to figure out if this is something that you want to, you know, long-term invest in or is this something that you need to maybe take back to the lot. <laughs> and I think that's, that's where we're at. And, and one of the things that I have been very – I don't know if disappointed is the word that I would use. Um, That's where I have been very um, befuddled or or confused about is the fact that um, Kenny Payne, in watching his team struggle this year, we all know the struggles of of this team. Um, I talked about it a lot, you know, the last couple of weeks. You know, the, the fact that this Louisville team is very, very bad in three different areas. Um, their ability to content, uh, to um, consistently shoot the ball, um, their abilities on defense, and their ability to take care of the basketball and not turn the basketball over. Now, one of those uh, one of those things is really hard to really fix. Okay, there's small things you can do to fix shooting, but at the end of the day. Um, Inconsistent shooting just means maybe you're not a great shooting team. I would think that that's probably where we're at with this team. This team can get hot. Uh, This team can have guys that can get on a bit of a run. We've seen Mike James get on a run. We've seen Jalen Withers get on a run. We've seen Brandon Huntley Hatfield, when available, uh, be able to get on a run. But – those guys aren't consistent, uh, and that's okay. And uh, by the way, if you want to get involved, uh, 502-414-1450 is maybe the best way to get involved on the Thornton's text line. Uh, you can give your thoughts there. Um, you can also give us a call in on the Wake Up 502 buzz line, 502-384-1450 uh, as well, um, and we'll definitely get to your calls. Um, but I think for me, uh, you know, the, the, the – 
thing, the two things and the two areas where I feel like Louisville could have and should be at this point a lot better. It is, first of all, it is January 28th. Okay, so we're not talking about, you know, the first five games of the season. We're not talking about the first 10 games of the season. We are 20 games into the season, and it is darn near February. It is almost the last main month of basketball okay i know that there's always that first game at the you know the very first part of march but we're right dead uh, almost to, to the last you know once louisville go, goes and plays their next game at home versus georgia tech it, the calendar will turn to february so we're you know several months into this at this point uh and the one area or the two areas i should say where i feel like louisville was definitely not good at to begin the year um, defensively uh, and taking care of the ball and, you know, the turnover situation are two areas where, in my opinion, Louisville could have gotten a lot better by now. Um, and that is where – and that is the genesis of my biggest concern with this whole Kenny Payne campaign, okay? Like, to me, this Louisville basketball team – um, should be better in those areas. And, and how do you get better in those areas? You get better in those areas by two ways. You know, figure out and identifying the issue, because both of these are effort and practice-based, okay? You figure out where those deficiencies are, and you make the adjustments both on the court and personnel-wise to help make those things better. And those are the two things that I haven't really seen Kenny Payne do at all. And You know, instead of saying, man, you know, if we don't go on the road versus Boston College and turn the ball over 20 times, you know what? We probably win that game because, I don't know, we shoot 50% from the field. We shoot 53% from three. Um, that's not a game that you should go out and lose. And if Louisville, um, you know, did better things to take care of the basketball, they win that game going away, and, you know, there you go. The kids feel good. They're happy. I I've heard, you know, Kenny continually say, you know, these kids and these guys really, really need a win. And I've heard that over and over again, but then I don't see them doing anything to help themselves out. Let's go ahead and get over to the Wake Up 502 buzz line. Caller, your name? Oh, Hold on, caller. Hold on. I apologize. I had you muted. Go ahead, caller, your name? Caller, you on with me? Hello. Oh well, they I guess they decided that they didn't want to talk anymore. Hey, caller, uh, please give give me a call back five zero two three eight four fourteen fifty. Uh, sorry, had you had you uh, muted on there, <laughs> but uh, give a call back. Uh, and, and again, uh, you can also get us on the text line five zero two three eight four fourteen fifty as well. Four one four fourteen fifty is the Thornton's text line. Um, uh, so you know, g give me a call back. Um, but. You know, I think that that right there um, is where I have the biggest issue um, is that, you know, Kenny Payne wants to sit there and get in front of a microphone and say, we, these guys need to win, these kids need to win. But, Coach, you're not doing anything to help your guys get a win. You're sitting there and roll, rolling out the ball with the same plan 
and continually basically running into a brick wall and expecting different results. I, I mean, that's that's kind of my biggest issue uh, with what's happening right now. Like, I and I've heard people say that you know that, that none of this stuff is Kenny Payne's fault. Um, you know, Louisville's just a terrible team and they're losing because they just don't have good players. Um, you know, and, and all of that. But I, I you know, my, my issue with that is that. There are a lot of things that Kenny Payne could be doing to help his guys out, and he really hasn't done any of that. I mean, take a look at you know at, at what we're talking about. Um, and before I get into that, we already got the first of all the text line is already jumping this morning. Um, you know, I I, I really uh, appreciate you guys for getting involved so early. Um, so so let's go ahead and get the, these texts in and thoughts uh, before Haven gets in here and starts running his mouth. <laughs> uh, so uh, first text in actually came in before the show even started. First of all, I appreciate that because that means you are up and excited to listen to Wake Up 502. Uh, so I'm going to get your text in definitely first. Says, good morning, Wake Up 502. Main event, our culture. Um, a couple of things. First of all, I'm tired of these simple Simon Louisville fans all over me, uh, you know, when I criticize about recruiting. First, Rashawn, you said Danny Manning went to see Boogie Flans and came all the way back to Louisville with no offer. Well, I, you know, I believe that Louisville has offered Boogie. Um, I believe they have. Um, I know he went to go visit them. And, and at this point, I think, you know, Kenny Payne just needs to just go out and just send offer letters to every kid out there available in, in my personal opinion. Like, you know, let's just go ahead and just cast a wide net across the top 50 players. Uh, and Boogie, of course, is a 2024 kid. So we're not talking about a guy for help for next year, um, but the 2024 class, if we are lucky enough to see him get there. Um, but, you know, I, I think that Boogie has an offer, I believe. Um, but, you know, I, I will have to uh, – I will check on that. I, I will stat boy that as soon as I can. Uh, he said, second, we get a commit from L.A., a shooting guard, but not a point guard. KP didn't try to play Muhammad Lasagay. <laughs> yeah, no, Emmanuel Corford did not play uh, in his first game, which I'm not surprised um, just because, you know, the young man had been uh, on the team less than a week, um, still not necessarily um, – you know, comfortable as of yet, not really knowing the plays from what it sounds like. And one of the things that I will caution people with Emmanuel Core for, don't expect, like, I know a lot of people expect this kid to be like, not maybe not necessarily a savior, but be like just at water and he's going to come bring all this energy and be like impactful immediately. I would caution you with that, especially with, you know, the way he's been described by Kenny uh, and the way he's been described by, you know, Paul Rogers when I've heard because he, of course, has been in to see some of those Louisville practices. The young man sounds like he's extremely, extremely aggressive and, and physical, um, you know, because he comes from uh, playing, uh, you know, those overseas pro leagues especially um, tend to be very, very rough physically um and, and you know coming over here he's used to playing that way it sounds like he may be a foul waiting to happen once he gets out of the court so you know if the kid comes in and gets two or three fouls in about three or four minutes you know that that probably is more likely than him coming out and you know posting you know seven points and six or seven rebounds uh, in his first game i just i'm just gonna tell you that's the way it sounds we shall see. I think that there may be an opportunity to see him play um, today 
Uh, or, you know, if not today, definitely when Louisville gets back home next week to play versus Georgia Tech, I expect to see Emmanuel out there. Uh, but we will see on that. Uh, he said, um, third thing, Brom is still out here recruiting. And, yeah, we talked about that. Jeff Brom has a couple of big-time prospects on campus this weekend. Very, very excited. Once again, trying to build strength through the lines. Um, so, you know, that is something that is very exciting. I totally agree with you. Jeff Brom is out here working fools, <laughs> literally. Uh, so we're going to get into that a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit later on. So I'm going to kind of tease that and leave that for a little bit later. He says, last thing for Louisville women's basketball. It seems like it's Haley uh, Van Lith and everyone else. I don't know if it's jealousy because she wears those blue shoes or it's the KP effect. I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hey, the, the the women's basketball team, and I would be remiss if I did not bring them up at the beginning of this. Yeah, definitely we got to talk about Jeff Walls and, and what's going on uh, with the uh, Lady Cards. Um, you know, they, they are on the struggle bus right now, and, and you know, Coach Walls seems to be frustrated. Um, the players seem to be frustrated. Um, this is definitely the worst team that Jeff Walls has had and the most frustrating team he's had maybe since he's been here. Um, you know, you maybe had some teams that weren't as successful or, or some teams that weren't as uh, talented, uh, but this team has been head-scratchingly inconsistent and bad in a lot of areas. They just seem to have the ta the pieces, but all the pieces don't really fit together. Or something, you know, we, we missing the, the corner piece, so we can't even get started putting the picture together. I, I don't know what's up with that. And he said, lastly, let's pray for our brothers and sisters in Memphis. Absolutely. Um, you know, for, for Tyree Nichols and, and the family, definitely thoughts and prayers go out to them and the folks of Memphis um, you know, with that whole situation. So so definitely want to uh, remember them as we discuss everything that's happening. Um, you know, but back to the uh, Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Uh, uh, texter says, shouldn't Devin Ree and Fabio be getting uh, some minutes so Kenny can see if they are worth keeping around? I totally agree with you. I mean, that, that right there um, – it's what I'm talking about. You know, besides the fact that I feel like Kenny has not done nearly enough to focus on his deficiencies defensively and identifying what the issues are and then trying to do things to fix them. You know, at this point, when you have a team that has lost as much as Louisville has lost this year, um, you know, you've got to do something different and you've got to make changes uh, to what you're doing to uh, help change your fortunes. And to help kind of get things back on track. And, and, you know, at least with playing Devin Ree and, you know, Fabio Basile, you are seeing what you have in your young players. Because, you know, when you look at – you know what you have in, uh, you know, uh, Ellis. You know what you have in Sid Curry. You know what you have, for the most part, in, uh, you know, Rose Wheeler and those guys, the older guys. But the young guys – you're not giving any opportunity to play. And my point, my problem with that is you're not giving these young guys an opportunity to get better and to grow. But you know who you are giving opportunity to? Zan Payne. Zan Payne is out there literally doing nothing just about every game. I saw Zan out there again today. Let's see what Zan, his, his numbers were. Now, I know he only played three minutes, but once again, that's three minutes you could have given to somebody else who, you know, is a, a reputed uh, talent, you know, like a Devin Ree, a 6'8 uh, kid, you know, that's known for being a shooter, who's known for being an offensive guy. You could be giving those three, four, or five minutes to him, but instead you give them to, to Zan, who goes out there in three minutes, zero points, 
Zero field goal attempts, zero rebounds, zero assists, and a foul. Like, that's pretty much his stat line every game. Why is he playing? Like, I I just – I don't understand why he's playing. <laughs> like, and this that is my frustration. It's like – it seems like Kenny's just tone deaf, and it doesn't. I like. I feel like he's wanting all of these players and these kids to fit around what he feels like and envisions his program to be, and he doesn't feel any um, responsibility to make his team better. Like he feels like I have this idea and this opinion of what Louisville basketball should be and how we want to play, and it's your your guys' job to figure out and make my vision a reality, and I don't have to change anything I'm doing. That's not coaching, people. That's being a philosopher, okay? Philosophers can sit in a field and give all these theories about life and the world and never – it's like having all these theories uh, and never testing any of those theories out to see if they hold water. You know what I'm saying? And and that's the difference between being a scientist and being a philosopher, Like, Kenny Payne is trying to be a philosopher of basketball rather than being a scientist in the lab trying to make something happen. You can't be a philosopher as a basketball coach. You can't give a philosophical thought about what you think this basketball team should be, and you can talk about what it means to wear the jersey, and you can talk about, you know, the passion and and these fans. But you know what? If you're not out there actively helping this team become what – everybody appreciates and loves and aspires to in Louisville basketball, what really are you doing? And I feel like Kenny Payne feels like he's just should be able to stand up there and give speeches and tell everybody about the greatness of Louisville basketball and tell them about the history, and he doesn't have a part in making that come true. Brother, if your you know, plan isn't working, your job as a basketball coach is, a, is to adjust and make things better. Adjust and find a way to have your guys find success. It's not the kid's job to just figure it out on their own. It's your job to help them get there. And that's where it's super, super frustrating for me because he just does not seem to be invested in actually trying to make the thing better. And and I, it's inexplicable to me. Whether it's, you know, if, if you're giving Devin Ree and Fabio Basili five to ten minutes a game since the start of the season, or at least since, you know, I don't know, during that first nine-game win streak by, you know, losses five, six, seven, or I don't know, when you lose to a Division two team to start the year, you say, you know what, maybe I just need to see what I have with these young guys, at least get them in the rotation. No, you would rather try to play L. Ellis. If you could, there's only 40 minutes a game. You try to play L. Ellis 45 minutes if you could, which – I understand L is by far Louisville's best player. He's been their most consistent player. But I look at a guy like Mike James. And Mike James started out the year um, super inconsistent, um, had a good first game uh, versus Bellarmine, then kind of, you know, was kind of hit and miss. But now we see Mike James pretty much consistently in the mid-15 points, you know, doing uh, good things, shooting the ball, making things happen. He's learning to, to be a better assist-to-turnover guy, um, or at least an assist guy. His turnovers are still kind of bad. But, you know, he goes out, he gets three assists, uh, a couple of rebounds in 38 minutes. Like, if you were pouring that amount of minutes and experience into these younger guys, like you're losing games anyway. You're getting, 
you know, beat by double figures every night. How much worse could it be if Fabio and Devin are in the game helping out? And, you know, if you put five to ten minutes per game on those guys, you know, when it's still, you know, November or at the worst, uh, early, uh, early December, then where would those guys be now? And instead, we're still seeing the same rotations. We're still seeing the same guys making the same mistakes. You're still rolling Jalen Withers out here. Sometimes Jalen's good. Sometimes Jalen's bad. Jalen Withers is being the Jalen Withers that we've seen every year he's been here. And, you, you know, you'd still play him, uh, you know, 30 minutes. Jalen had 30 minutes uh, sit cur- uh, in a loss. Kamari Lands, uh, I don't mind him being out there. He only had two points, only had two shot attempts in 25 minutes. That's not nearly enough, um, at least aggressiveness. If you're going to be out there that long, do something. Sidney Curry plays 32 minutes. L. Ellis, 32 minutes. Mike James, 38 minutes. You're not. <laughs> what you're doing is not working, and it doesn't seem like you're willing to change or adjust anything you're doing. You're just continuing to just barrel down and just run your head into this wall over and over and over again and under, trying to figure out why this brick wall is not falling down when you keep running your head into it. And that's where I have my, my I had an epiphany. <laughs> and after the break, because, uh, you know, we definitely have to get to a break, after the break, I'm going to tell you, uh, you know, where I think Louisville could uh, be looking to go or, or at least an option to figure out a way out of this mess of a situation that you have and, and maybe a solution uh, to this whole Kenny Payne situation. It may not be the best, but, hey, it could work. But I tell you what, this is Rashawn Myers. This is Wake Up 502, Big X Sports Radio. We'll be back on uh, The Big X. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left Cause I've been blasting and laughing so long That even my mama thinks that my mind is gone But I ain't never crossed a man that didn't deserve it Me be treated like a punk, you know that's unheard of You better watch how you're talking and where you're walking Or you and your homies might be lying to chalk I really hate the trip, but I gotta lope as they cope, I see myself in the pistol smoke, fool I'm the kind of G the little homies wanna be like On my knees in the night, saying prayers in the streetlight And welcome back, welcome back to Wake Up 502 R.I.P. Coolio, a little gangsta's paradise Coming back here on Big Exports Radio that's going down on a Saturday morning. Rashawn Myers here taking care of you this morning uh, and, and getting back into it, man. First of all, appreciate everybody um, on the Thornton's text line checking in. Text line is jumping this morning, y'all. Like, it is jumping this 
morning. That's 502-414-1450. I appreciate everybody uh, listening in. Everybody getting up with me on a Saturday morning, uh, getting you ready and counting you down to tip off at noon. Uh, Louisville taking on uh, Boston College here coming up uh, at noon. On, and that will be on – hold on. I don't know which channel that will be on. That will be on uh, ESPN2. So it'll be on the deuce today. Uh, so make sure you check that out uh, for, for UofL coming up. Uh, once again, appreciate all, all the texts coming in uh, and to get right back to it. We're going to get right back to it. Yeah, I appreciate it because, yeah, you know, I don't know. Haven Harrington might be somewhere sleepy, y'all. He might be lazy. You know, Haven works late nights. So sometimes Haven just be in the bed and just don't decide he just ain't going to get up. So, you know, if, if that's what's going on with Brother Haven, you come in, it's, it's, it's fine whenever you get here. Brother, my people hold me down. These texts give me up. Y'all are my co-hosts today, so I really appreciate that. Um, text, we're going right back to text. He says, what has Lance really done? Uh, he says, why not give some of those minutes to Devin Ree? And I, you know, I can't disagree with you in regards to that. We just talked about the stat line, uh, you know, where in uh, 25 minutes of play, Kamari Lance has two points, two rebounds, uh, and a turnover in 25 minutes. Only two shot attempts, 0 for 1 from 3. The one thing that I've seen about Devin Ree is that when Devin Ree is in the game, he's going to at least shoot the ball. And I'm okay with that. Now, granted, Louisville as a team did shoot 50%. It was definitely not the offense that killed Louisville. Um, but, no, I, I agree with you. Kamari Lands in 25 minutes has to give you more than zero assists, only two points and uh, two rebounds. Uh, you know, if you're going to be out there um, – you got to make more of an impact than that. Uh, so, no, I, I totally agree. I don't think that there's – Kamari Lance has not shown me enough on the court to say he should be getting, you know, 25 to 30 minutes and Devin Reese should be getting zero minutes. You know, if, if both of those guys are splitting uh, 15 minutes a game, I wouldn't be mad at that because you'd have two guys getting experience and two guys, um, you know, getting out there and getting better. Um, and, and I think that's a big part of it. Um, you know, so I, I, I totally agree with that. And then lastly, uh, Texter says, I don't understand why J.J. doesn't start. He seems to be more capable than Lance. I'm going to tell you this about J.J., and I'm going to tell you one of the reasons why, especially in that position. Um, and I've had this conversation on Twitter as well. Kamari's a three, okay? Kamari is a three. Sometimes he slides over and plays at the two um, because of his ball handling. J.J., is not a three. J.J. is, is a kid that's kind of between positions. He's definitely um, a four who can also play the five, but the problem with him playing the five is he tends to get bullied a bit in the, the low post and in the paint. I don't feel like um, J.J. handles the ball well enough uh, on the perimeter uh, to be a three, and, and I think that's the biggest reason why, A, he's not taking a lot of Kamari's minutes. Now, I would love to say see J.J. play more of the four than Jalen Withers. Um, I think Jalen Withers plays a lot at that spot. Um, I personally think both of these guys got way too many minutes. Like Jalen Withers, um, granted, he had a good game in 30 minutes, 16.7 rebounds, um, you know, only one assist and three turnovers. Um, J.J. did not have the greatest game, five points, three rebounds, one assist. Um, but I would like to see those guys kind of maybe sharing more of those minutes at the four. Like me personally, I feel like Jalen Withers and J.J. Trainer both are more four-slash-fives than three-slash-fours. And I think Kenny Payne continually tries to put these guys in positions to dribble the ball, and especially down the stretch of that uh, end of the game, we saw multiple times where J.J., 
just lost the ball trying to dribble it, trying to make you know drives from the perimeter, and I don't think that's a strength of his game. In fact, and I don't even think. I know that's not a strength of his game, and, and I feel like where, where he's fine in catch-and-shoot situations, I, th- I don't think this is a guy that should be taking the ball and dribbling off the bounce. Same thing for Jalen Withers. Too many bad things happen when Jalen Withers tries to attack off the bounce. Does it look good when it works out the one out of every ten times he drives to the basket? Maybe. But that's not a good enough sample size for me to say, Jalen, I need you out here handling the ball consistently. Um, so, you know, I, I think that both of those guys should be sharing minutes at the four spot, you know, or playing both of those guys at the four and the five and maybe giving Sid Curry a bit of a rest. Uh, that, that would be my um, – you know that that would be my opinion on that on that whole situation. Um, Texter says, "Son, I wonder who this is." <laughs> he says, "Son, most teams had returning players, whereas not so with the cards. Turnaround is going to take time, but they are making progress, including including the coach." First of all, no, that's false, uh, Dad. That that's that's not the case. There's a lot of teams that had humongous roster turnover, like Missouri, who also has a first time head coach, like LSU who once again has a first-time head coach, like Maryland, who turned over just as many players as Louisville did, um, and they have a new head coach. And all those teams – did you know that that Kenny Payne, and this is an amazing stat, of the, I believe, 11 coaches – are first-time head coaches at their new program this year in the Power Five. And of those 11 coaches taking over with new jobs in Power Five jobs – Kenny Payne is the only coach that doesn't have a 500 or better record. And you can't tell me every team and every school and everybody just was in such a better place than Louisville was. When Maryland was coming off a season with more losses than Louisville, when LSU was sitting and is still sitting under a cloud because of everything that happened with there. Uh, and lost their whole team, where Louisville didn't even lose their whole team. There's a lot of place, uh, schools uh, that were in much worse positions than Louisville, and they still figured out a way to get it done. And, and you know, to not be just god-awful, to not be the worst team in Power 5 history. So I'm not hearing that. Y'all are making excuses for this man that aren't true. And that's the biggest thing that frustrates me, the, the amount of misinformation and outright lies that maybe you don't know their lies. Maybe they're lies that you heard from somebody else and you're just repeating it and you just end up being the sucker. But those are, that's not true. Okay, it doesn't take years for a turnaround. It doesn't take, like, what does years to make a turnaround have to do with Kenny Payne saying, you know what, I need to tighten up my defense. Maybe I shouldn't have guys that are slow foot extending pressure out to the midcourt line in the half court. What does that have to do with years of a turnaround? You know, Lester Brown. Hey, look who it is who just jumped in. Haven Hanson in the, in the building. Haven, how you doing? Man, you know what? I'm doing great. The Cards play Notre Dame today. Yes. This is probably their last chance to win a game this season. Well, to, to this game or, or, or next Wednesday. That's it. Georgia Tech and Notre Dame. These next two? This is it. That's it. Like, in my personal opinion, as far as the games that you would see them win. Like, they can have an upstart Western Kentucky game and just kind of somebody they catch somebody on a bad night and Louisville just shoots the lights out. So, you know what? I have an idea. Yes, sir. For the next couple of minutes, let's – Let's let's debunk some of the, the falsehoods about turnarounds and the team. Yeah, you had a very popular tweet that, that went out. Uh, very popular tweet. 
the and, 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 and the tweet was this. And, and for me, I just want to kind of debunk one of those myths is that it takes multiple years to install culture and to turn your program around, right? Yeah. Which is false. And while Bob was LSU, now, I know a lot of fans like to say, well, you know, Haven, Haven, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Haven, look, we have to, we have, we have to just, just bear with it, Haven. I mean, <laughs> we had a cloud with a program. We had the stripper scandal. Then we was on probation, and we got in trouble again. We had the, uh, the NCAA. We had the IRP breathing on our necks, and that's why we couldn't get anybody. That's why, like, nobody would come to Louisville because we had, like, all that stuff going on. But now that cloud's over, now for the 2024 class, we can get players in. You're going to see like what Kenny Payne can do with, 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 with real players. And, and, and it takes a while to turn a program around and, and, and install culture. So you just have to wait. I'll bring up to you Exhibit A, LSU. LSU is facing seven level one violations and one level two violation. So bad, in fact, they fired their coach and the entire coaching staff. Once the coaching staff was fired, every player that was on the roster, except for one walk-on, transferred and left. Except for one walk-on. The guy who never played. The guy at the end of the bench who's just there for GPA purposes. That <laughs> dude was the only guy left over. Say so when to Murray State, not quite a basketball powerhouse, and hired Mike McMahon. He hits the portal. Yes, he brings some players from Murray State with him. Hits the portal, and they're 12 and 8. 12 and 8. And they had a cloud over their program. Heck, they fired the entire coaching staff. They're still waiting to see if they're going to get sanctioned and what's going to happen to them. But yet, and still, they managed to find players in the portal, bring some balls from Murray State, and a 12-8 and eight in the SEC, which is not a bad basketball conference. You can do this in one oh, year. Oh, oh, Haven, look, I, got one for, I got one better for you. <laughs> Baylor basketball. In the 2002-2003 season, the last year under Dave, Dave Bliss, the reason it was Dave Bliss's last year is because you had Carlton Dotson, one of the players, literally shoot and kill another player, Patrick Dennehy. Okay? Of course, everybody remembers that story. And after that, they completely gutted the program and allowed every, pro, uh, every player from that team to transfer and not have to sit out. It was a special um, situation, and the NCAA made that. So pretty much Baylor lost their whole team because of that tragic, tragic situation. That was the first year that Scott Drew took over in 2003-2004. That year, Scott Drew, with a team of pretty much walk-ons, and not you could not recruit to Baylor basketball. Baylor basketball was as toxic and was as hands-off. Like, literally, no one wanted to play there. So Scott Drew was playing with walk-ons and kids that just wanted to have an opportunity. Okay, Scott Drew in that first year at Baylor when nobody wanted to get with Baylor and nobody wanted to go to Baylor and nobody wanted to do anything with Baylor, you know, the same Scott Drew that's won a national championship now. That guy. 
Scott Drew went 8-21 in that first year, did win three games in the Big 12, and was competitive throughout the year. That team, that Baylor team, with nobody and nothing happening and radioactive, much worse situation than what Louisville has dealt with by far. Pre-transfer portal, so he, he couldn't go out and grab. And could not just load up a team. Yes, he could not go out and grab. See, and that's the thing and, to and, me. And, and that's the, the, but see, that's my point, Haven. That's so frustrating. It's like, in basketball, <laughs> okay, if this was football, yes. It may take two years. In the worst of situations, and much worse than the Louisville situation right now. Yeah. Like I say, Scott you know, Drew was competitive. Yeah, you know, in football, yes, it may take two years to turn around a team because they're dealing with the 85-man roster. Yeah. But in basketball, it's a 13-man roster. You get one or two decent players in here. You can literally flip your team. So the other thing I think we need to de- uh, debunk, there's no talent on this team. They're traumatized from losing their coach. <laughs> traumatized. They're traumatized from losing a coach. Oh, there's no talent here. Kenny needs talent. No, there's more talent in this roster. But they should be better than two and eight. And people ask me all the time, well, Haven, well, well, what did you think? You probably thought it was a big tournament team. That's un- that's unrealistic. No. I was like, if they went 10 or 15 games, I would have been happy with that. Louisville. We're two. Louisville is 100 spots worse than that Baylor team that had nothing and a brand-new first-year head coach in Scott Drew. If you could, Dr. Myers. Yes, sir. Pull up some of the, uh, of the recruiting rankings for the current roster on this team. Absolutely, sir. I can do that for you. Because I know we have one five-star player on the team. Yes, Louisville currently has six four-stars and one former five-star player on the roster as it stands right now. Uh, you know, that, that roster includes, uh, you know, a four-star in L. Ellis, who was the number one JUCO point guard, um, a JUCO All-American. Brandon Huntley Hatfield, who was a five-star player, uh, you know, top five player overall. I believe he was number three overall by several rankings. You had a four-star in Mike James um, on this roster. Let me tell you something. Baylor didn't have any of that. They basically had walk-ons and kids that were pretty much NAIA level playing for that team. Uh, Kamari Lands, four-star player on the roster. Devin Ree, four-star player on the roster. J.J. Trainer, four-star player on the roster. Roosevelt Wheeler, four-star player on the roster. You know, and that's not counting uh, Jalen Withers, who was, you know, a borderline three-star, four-star kid. He was a four-star on some sites. He was three-star on other sites. Sidney Curry, um, who was a former Kansas commit, you know, kind of borderline three-star, four-star guy, depending on who you asked. Um, but talent is not the issue. Talent is there. So, so we just step now. For those who say like you know stars like don't matter, you know, I, you know, in football you can make that argument. In basketball you can't. And why can't you really make the argument in basketball? Because in basketball all the top talent plays each other. They all play each other. So when you go to watch AAU tournaments, which we have, right? Yeah. You see all the top talent play each other, so you know. How good a JJ trainer is. You know how good a L. Ellis is because they play each other. Yeah. Other top talent players, other top talent. So you can kind of get a pretty good gauge as to how well and how good these guys really are. Absolutely. Now, now, Haven, now this, now I, I had kind of teased it before the break, and I want to ask you. I had an idea because we are, we understand all these things that, that we just talked about, and we clarified and and cleared out why 
All of that's bull crap. All the excuses that's been made are absolute bull crap. And then, and the last myth, I, I will, before I tell you my idea, the last myth that Kenny Payne's whiffs in the 2023 class, i.e., the, the, the DeWan Wagner, uh, or excuse me, DJ Wagner, Aaron Bradshaw class, AJ Johnson class, they, anybody who said that Kenny Payne did not get any of these kids because of the cloud and because of the sanctioned IARP, that's a bold-faced lie as well because University of Louisville recruited all those kids saying, you know what, we may get a postseason ban, but it will definitely be this year, which is true because the NCAA levied those sanctions before the season started. Any postseason ban would have been active for this season, this calendar year. It was told to every player. It was told to every recruit, and Kenny Payne recruited these kids under the understanding that their 2023 class, i.e. next year, would not be touched by any sort of postseason ban. Okay? So understand that none of these kids were um, apprehensive about going to Louisville because they were worried about a ban for next year. There was only going to be a single postseason ban, a single year, and it would have been this year. So that's another outright lie. But my idea for Kenny Payne is this. He's shown an inability to recruit at the highest level so far. He's shown an inability to have the understanding of what the strengths and weaknesses of his players are so far. He's shown an inability to make adjustments so far in game, okay, and to kind of strategize what needs to happen on, a, on, a, on the court. So how about this, Haven? I got an idea. Let's leave Kenny Payne as the head coach. That's fine. But how about we get – Kenny Payne, a general manager, quote-unquote. A guy who makes the player personnel decisions. Take the player personnel decisions out of his hand and have a guy that can look at this team, especially now that we're in an age of free agency in college basketball. Have a guy go out there, make those those decisions for Kenny Payne and say, look, you know, you mean a lot to the university. We're not going to get rid of you, but there needs to be some big-time changes. First would be, you know, maybe – vacating a couple of those spots on the assistant coaching staff, bringing in a guy to be a player personnel guy, and then getting Kenny Payne an offensive strategist and a defensive strategist. I don't know what roles you put them in and kind of put a bunch of people around him to make those decisions, and then he can go out in front of the camera, talk about the greatness of his that, that of Louisville, and you know, still continue to give him you know to, to stand there and do all the coaching you know it, uh, on the court, but it would have those folks to help him. Do you think that would be something that would be helpful moving forward? So basically, kind of treat him like a football coach. Him an offensive and defensive coordinator. Absolutely, and, and somebody to go out and get the talent. Like I know that's not done at the college level, but to me, Haven, what other like to me that's the, probably the best situation for all involved, right? Uh, yeah. Unless, unless you're hopeful that Kenny Payne being a first year head coach. And I don't mean a first-year head coach at University of Louisville. I mean just a first-year head coach, period, because this is the first time ever coaching, being a head coach any level. Uh, unless when they get like some – I mean, he's already had on-the-job training this year. But let's want to, you know, have him sit with some of the other Cardinal coaches like <laughs> Rick Pitino and kind of learn how to how to coach coach. Uh, yes. I mean, yes. Or th- this is what you have to do. I mean, because at this point, the, yep. the university is hemorrhaging money. Well, so the only way you're going to get is, people like, back well, involved, you've got to win games, right? Well, this is, what, well, this is kind, of what, kind of what Rick Pitino did when he got to Kentucky, when he had um, Tubby Smith 
kind of coordinate the defense, and he had Don, uh, Billy Donovan kind of run his offense. You know, and those two guys kind of kind of serve similar roles. So if it works there, it can you know it can definitely work here. Uh, but you know, we, we have to try something. You know, we have to try maybe a change of philosophy. Uh, you know, because I've always thought that you know with this team as it's currently constructed, you know this should be like a low post team first. No, especially you know if you have a team that turns the ball over a lot, like we do. You know, if you have a team that goes through long stretches of ineptitude, uh, you know, like in football sometimes, like if you're going against an, a team that you know is has has a superior offense, you run the ball to like slow the clock down, right? To, to speed the game up and to limit as, as many possessions as the other team can get. You know, Louisville said, and I, we've said this before, no, I've said it before, we should be a low post team. We should feed the ball on the block to Curry or, BH, or BHH at least once possession. Yeah. And then kind of slow the game down, limit the number of dribbles players take because that seems to cause a, a ton of turnovers. And kind of run the offense that way. One, you speed the game up, you slow the other team down. By slowing yourself down and slowing the other team down, you speed the game up, thereby limiting possessions, thereby limiting number of turnovers you can possibly have. No, I, I totally agree with you, but I, I do. I think that at this point, we need to treat Kenny Payne like a, a, a football coach and get him help. You know, and strategists defensively, strategists offensively, and let him be the figurehead of the university. I would love to hear people's thoughts on that. Uh, 502-384-1450 as well as 502-414-1450, the Thornton's text line. I would love to hear your thoughts because, I mean, everybody loves Kenny Payne. Nobody wants to see him go anywhere. So how about make him the figurehead, make him the, the leader of the ship and the program, and he can go out there and give his thoughts. But how about we take some of that decision-making out of his hands? Uh, we are also joined on the line now by uh, Mr. Joe Kelly. Uh, Joe, how you doing this morning, brother? Uh, you know, I'm a Louisville fan, so <laughs> any day that you're still breathing seems like a good one. <laughs> That's fair. So, Joe, what do you th- I know we're at the at the top of the hour. We're about to take our top of the hour break, but Joe, what, what, what do you just think about that? Just your, your general thought on maybe that was my idea. For Kenny Payne, he's shown I can't trust his abilities. His, his decision-making has been bad all the way around this year from player personnel to preparation to in-game coaching um, and adjustments. Like, what do you think about giving Kenny Payne kind of a quote-unquote offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and maybe a general manager to kind of take some of these player personnel decisions out of his hands? So what are we painting for then at that point? To, to I mean, go, I, I guess he makes everybody works, feel good, Joe. He now. makes everybody feel good. He makes everybody feel good. Everybody loves, loves to wrap themselves in nostalgia. He'll, he would still have responsibilities of in-game coaching, but what I'm saying is maybe take some of the strategy and you know that, that, those player personnel decisions out of his hands. I, I don't know, man. I mean, how, how, many, how many Saturdays can we continue to have the same conversation? Because it's been the same conversation since what, when was our third win of the year? Well, considering that we only have two. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, my bad. I forgot. Uh, There's just, I think think that's that's the hardest part about all of this is that we keep throwing ideas out. Like, now it's hit the point of do we treat it like football and hire an OC and a DC and and don't put the X's and O's. And I just, this is what's adding fuel to the whole, whole debate of, 
is Kenny the Ray fixed? And this is, I think, where a lot of the animosity comes from, is that there's nothing new to report on. So it's either you were just ye of blind faith, or you're fed up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and there's there's just no middle ground with it. And it honestly, I just I, I don't I don't know what more there is to say about it. Well, and I think that's Dude. why I'm trying to think of you know this is like my happy uh, compromise. You know, for for the people that say we need to keep him, you can't sure. hire him after one year, and other people say he's terrible. He doesn't know what he's doing. He needs to go. And you know, I think that's my happy compromise. Like, like, let's maybe take some of these decisions out of his hands and give him some help. Yeah, I mean, make it as easy as you can. But I just, I keep going back to the fact that absolutely nothing has changed, nothing has improved. There's nothing that I look at that I say, "Oh, this team looks better. This team looks different this week, this game." You know, I, I have watched our fan base. Last week, I talked about it. We're to the point now of celebrating hustling against Clemson. That's where this man has put the program. We're celebrating uh, JUCOs that Mike Rutherford has to Google. These are just all very bad looks. No, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's it's, it's a difficult situation, and that's kind of been the biggest thing for me, Joe, is that – um, I'm trying to think of compromises because, you know, like I said, a lot of these shows out here and a lot of people that are talking pretty much just come out exasperated and say they don't know what to say, they don't know what to talk about, and I'm trying to offer solutions. Like, that's me. That's what I try to do every week is think about what different angle can I take a look at it? What can I do to maybe look at this from a different angle? And, and that's kind of – I'm trying to at least offer conversation points, but, no, it is a very difficult situation. But i tell you what, we can go ahead and hit our top of the hour break it we have five minutes late for our time of the hour break you are listening to wake up 502 with rashawn myers haven harrison joe kelly on on big x sports radio and uh we'll be back they got me facing i can't live a normal life i was raised by the state so i gotta be there with the hood team too much television watching got me chasing dreams i'm an educated fool with money on my mind got my tin in my hand and the gleam in my Regulators. We regulate any stealing of his property. We're damn good, too. But you can't be any geek off the street. Gotta be handy with the steal if you know what I mean. Earn your keep. Regulators! Mount up. It was a clear black night, a clear white moon when my G was on the streets Trying to consume some skirts for the E So I could get some phones rolling in my ride, chilling all alone Just hit the east side of the LBC And welcome back, welcome back to Wake Up 502 It's going down Regulators, I'm calling out all my regulators, man It's time to, to, to get up one more time Haven, what would be your cowboy name? If you, if you had a cowboy name, who would you be? Uh, Father Time. <laughs> I should have known you could go. 
Uh, what was the name of that movie? The Mario Van Peebles movie? What was that? What was that movie? Oh, you got that reference. Okay. Yeah, oh, absolutely. What movie? What that? The Black Cowboy movie. Oh, what was the name of that movie? That's going to drive me crazy. Posse. Oh, come on, Posse. man. You know this. Posse. Posse. Thank you. Yeah, that was Big Daddy Kane's that was character. Posse. Yeah. Oh, Big Daddy Kane. Big Daddy Kane was Father Time. I had to look, go watch. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, Joe, Joe, who would you be? Billy the Kid? Is that? Is that uh, nah, man. I've been gunned down at 12 before. <laughs> from running my mouth in a poker game so I never would have made it to get a nickname that's hilarious I used to play Red Dead Redemption and think man I would have got smoked in the old west because I was mouthy when I was like no way I would have made it to grow this beard <laughs> you know what Joe Kelly I think his name probably would have been Deadwood Dick <laughs> wow after there we go, Joe. Uh, Joe, you still with us? Okay, Joe. Yes, sir. Okay, Deadwood Dick is still here. No, I, I hung up on on Jay. <laughs> I was trying to bring Jay in to this conversation to give him a hilarious nickname. Uh, Jay, give me a call back on the line five zero two three eight four fourteen fifty. Got my stomach. But that, that, hey, see, you know whose fault that was? That was Haven for that terrible joke about Joe's nickname. You got me all flustered over here. Now, now for those, I'm over here pushing buttons. Now for those who think that uh, you know that's actually the name of a real cowboys, Deadwood Dick. So I, I I I did not make that one up. That's actually a real cowboy. Yeah, I just, I, I just know for like, if it hadn't been some drunk at a at a at a bar, it definitely would have been those Pankertons that, that took care of me. <laughs> well, that is hilarious. Let's go ahead and get Jay Has on the line. Jay, good morning. How you doing, brother? Good morning, sir. How you doing, man, Joe my, and Haven? My, my bad, man. Uh, Haven's over here making me laugh while I'm pushing buttons on the production board. Got me all flustered, man. <laughs> well, hell, you, you didn't have it what I wanted to be. I know. What, what would your nickname be, Jay? Man, Bronco Billy. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> what about you, Rock? Uh, huh? What about you? Uh, I don't know. What? What? The, who, who was uh, the Blair Underwood? <laughs> you like oh, Blair Underwood? Man, pretty boy. He plays the villain like in every movie he's in. He doesn't play the good guy. He's always a swan villain. Hey, Rashad. Hey, Rashad. Did you tell Joe and uh, Haven what I said about last week? <laughs> no, I did not oh. tell them about that, Jay. I'm not. Uh, hopefully, I'm gonna see Joe today, so you know I might have to impart your hilariousness to him. Then, yeah, you need to tell uh, him. Is, him. is it not for the airways? Yes, yes. I'm absolutely because y'all know that Jay has. He struggles to be on the air sometimes because Jay, Jay is, you know. A little special. So, yeah, this is absolutely inappropriate for the airwaves. <laughs> so, I will have to tell y'all that one in person. <laughs> but, hey. but real quick, real, real quick, Haven with Sean. And yes, Joe, I got a special guest. Uh, it's uh, Legacy Wine and Spirits. And I got Mr. Calvin Young. He's the co founder okay. of Legacy Wine and Spirits. How you doing today, Mr. Calvin? Mr. Calvin. Mr. Young. No, look, look. How y'all doing? How y'all doing, sir? I'm here. Okay. Hey, how, how, you doing? how you doing, sir? I'm doing great, sir. How y'all doing today? Doing well. Doing, doing well. great, man. We're doing great, man. Tell us about a little bit about Legacy Wine and Spirits a little bit. All right. Well, Legacy Wine and Spirits is the first black-owned uh, wine and spirits distributor in the state of Kentucky. Um, right now, we're, we're, we're distributing uh, our, our products across the state. Uh, we have about 30 different products. Um including everything from bourbon to whiskey 
to wines, to sparkling wines, uh, to tequila. We we got everything. Because, you know, Bashana Haven and Joe, you know, we like that bourbon. No, we're having no, 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 no good bourbon. Well, of course. Who doesn't in Kentucky? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we don't do much right. Tell about, is that bourbon really good? Uh, we've got some great bourbons. Uh, we've got a Kentucky uh, Kentucky bourbon. It's a black-owned bourbon called the Nine Bourbon. Uh, it's really good. It's a 90, 95 proof. Uh, so it's got, a, it's got a little sting to it, but it, it's definitely smooth. It's, it's very good. Um, so, yeah, it's out there. And we also have a, a, a great whiskey, uh, mm. Guidance guidance Whiskey. Um, and it, it's also a very good uh, product as well. Let me ask you about that 95 proof. What uh, what kind of bite does it have to it? Is it kind of a warm finish? Is it, is it a hot bourbon? You know, sort of like I always say that about Maker's Mark. Maker's Mark's a really hot bourbon. Uh, if that if that makes it's sense, not, like it hits your chest. No, it makes perfect sense. Uh, it's, 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 you know, it's, 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 it's a ninety-five so. It's it, no, it's it's definitely a ninety-five. Uh, so at the end, it does have a little bite at the end. Uh, so it's got the hug at the at the at the end of it with the finish. Uh, but it's very smooth <laughs> going down. So it's not something that you. As soon as it gets in your mouth, you're gonna be like, "Ah, like hot fire!" It's it's uh it's really good. It's got a great taste. Uh, we get great reviews. So would out you of say? That, would you say it's a, it's a good late late year tailgate bourbon? You know, when it's a little colder outside, something to keep you warm. Uh, definitely, definitely for that. <laughs> definitely for that. And you can drink it straight over the rocks. Uh, so it's not something mm. you have to. You don't have to mix it. Wow, that's well, Sean and Haven, he got some wine for the ladies. Well, okay. So, what you got for the ladies? For the ladies, I got all kinds of wines. I've got uh, we're we're the official distributor for the rapper E40 in the state of Kentucky. So we have all of his products. Uh, he's got an extensive list of wines. He's got Tropicado. He's got Mango Scotto. He's got your regular traditional Moscato, Sweet Red. Uh, he has a uh, like a, a red blend, which is a little bit more dry. Uh, but we also have a lot of sparkling wines for your you know any of the ladies who like mimosas in the morning. Uh, we've got uh, uh, sparkling cotton candy. We've got a mango peach. We've got watermelon. We've got blueberry, uh, mm. strawberry. So we, we've got an assortment that, you know, fits the palates of everybody. But you know, Jay has a birthday party just right around the corner. Oh, yeah. It's coming <laughs> up. It's coming up. And we need to get in when we, we, need to get in when we fit in. Now, we would definitely be there, man. We'll just, just let us know the date and time. Absolutely. So, so if, 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 yeah, I was going to say, like, how can people, if they want to, you know, to peruse your products, like, what's the best way uh, to, to find you guys and, uh, you know, for, you know, check out the selection? Yeah, you can check out it. First of all, our products are available across the state. Uh, we're in Liquor Barn. We're in uh, Total Wine. We're in, you know, a lot of mom and pop stores as well. So you can, you can ask for uh, our products, Legacy Wine and Spirits, uh, the Earl Stevens Brands, uh, the Nine Bourbon. Uh, Koi Wine Collection, which is a black-owned wine out of Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, you can also reach us on the uh, uh, social media, of course. Uh, Instagram is What's Your Legacy. Uh, Facebook is Legacy Wine and Spirits. Or you can just reach out to me directly, Kelvin, K-E-L-V-I-N, at LegacySpirits.online. Uh, and I'll definitely reply to you. Uh, website, check us out, www.LegacySpirits.online. Um, and just reach out, man. We'll, I'll be happy to talk to you and, you know, talk, talk spirits with you. That's what's up, Kelvin. I, 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 man, I definitely appreciate that. I look forward uh, to, to, to connecting with you further and, and having, you know, we're going to be out there at the birthday bash. It's going to be going down. Anybody who's ever been to a J-Has birthday bash knows it's about to be right. So I uh, appreciate your time this morning, brother. I, I appreciate you all, man. I look forward to meeting everybody in person and look forward to being at the, at the event. 
There we go. There we go. Jay, you got anything else before you get on off here and run back to uh, running your mouth on on the on the radio? That's what you do. You, you, know, you, you are the mouth mouth on the radio. That's what you do. You are the mouth of the South. <laughs> Well, 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 Rashad, sometimes it is what it is. You want your mouth and you like it. <laughs> well, he's silly. Hey, Kelvin, uh, Jay, I appreciate you guys this morning, man. We'll, we'll get at y'all later on, man. Thank you. All right, Bob. All right, now. <laughs> hey, hey, hey Rashad. Yes, sir. You know you, know you got to be careful drinking that E40 uh, <laughs> branded liquor because it'll have you out of nowhere quoting him going, how many babies did you make all that keep <laughs> Hey, for that 40 water, you know what I'm saying? That's what, <laughs> that's, that's what he really does. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Hey, and let me tell y'all something, man. The text line has been jumping today. Like, the whole, they gave me the, the posse when I couldn't remember that. Uh, you know, and uh, first of all, Texas says, uh, are you going to be on Facebook this afternoon? Yes, uh, the the uh, Game Day 502 will be going down. Post-game edition of Game Day 502 will be going down um, over there at 21st in Germantown, uh, 1481 South Shelby Street. Uh, we be, will be there from 4 to 6. Uh, breaking down the cards versus the Irish. Uh, did Louisville get it done? We will definitely be on there. Of course, you can always check us out on Facebook Live as well as Twitter Live. Um, we'll be on there. Uh, taking your thoughts and comments. Of course, it is great to come out, get some of the great food uh, and, and things out there at 21st and Germantown as well. Uh, it's, it's a short time coming up, man. Last three weeks of shows over there at 21st. Uh, we are there through the end of the football season through Super Bowl Saturday. Um, so if you've not had the opportunity to get out as of yet, come out. It's a great time. Um, very, very excited and appreciative of all the great folks and everything that they've done over there at 21st and Germantown to take care of us. Uh, so we will definitely be on there uh, this Saturday afternoon 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, 1481 South Shelby Street so definitely come get at me uh, but we also had texters uh, uh, texting in uh, with their thoughts on my idea about uh, Kenny Payne as the uh, you know the uh, the general not general manager but the what, what do we call it? just the head coach position yeah there you go the the team head and mascot <laughs> uh he says the solution is to find a new coach almost nothing has improved in 20 games <laughs> he says the things that were supposed to be strengths recruiting and developing big men have not been strengths and i understand that argument you know like i, I understand that argument um i don't disagree with you like i think that both sides can be right Okay, in this situation, I agree that you know it's very difficult, uh, almost impossible to hire to, to fire a first year head coach in college basketball or in college athletics. Period. I agree with that, but I also agree that Kenny Payne, to this point, because he still has about um, twelve games left, ten to twelve games left this year, it's still a too early um, to to look at getting him getting him out the door, but also to the point the job he's done to this year in any other year. Anybody else would be fired or, or be, you know, headed towards the, the chopping block. Um, I mean, you know, Chris Mack was fired for less, and his team was, you know, infinitely better last year than what this team has been. So, I mean, I, that's why I said it's a very difficult situation 
overall. Um, so, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Um, a texter also says, um, good show as usual. Basketball and sports talk radio usually get me through the gloomy winter. Uh, and the last few years, uh, it's let me down with the current situation just completely crashing and burning. Uh, no one wants uh, things to improve more than me, uh, but it's hard to see right now. Uh, this show is one uh, that I have not uh, tuned out during this mess. Look forward to better, uh, ba- better basketball times. L's up. I definitely appreciate that. Also, Dee Dee says, uh, he said, and the music this morning has been 100. So I definitely appreciate that. She also wanted to let everybody know that real women drink bourbon. Get that wine out of here. So I appreciate that. That is a lady to my heart right there. I'm right, right there with you, Dee Dee. <laughs> I, I knew that was I knew that was gonna get a reaction from somebody. <laughs> when he said, Oh yeah, and for the ladies. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, what now? Right? Because <laughs> I know I know some ladies in the five oh two that'll drink all three of us under the floor. Oh, absolutely. Damn the table. <laughs> Damn the table. Like there's some women that when they bust up bourbon, it's like, uh uh-uh, no, I need a I need a I need an exit strategy. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> no, I'm I, leaving this evening with my soul intact, ma'am. <laughs> oh, wow, that's hilarious. Well, no, I, hey, and, and I tell you what, I know we're going to, um, uh, you know, kind of di- digress and go on to other parts. But, you know, I mean, this, this local basketball thing, it's definitely – a struggle, and it's de- definitely frustrating. And I know a lot of people um, have kind of tuned out, like Didi said, on, on the season, and, and it's very difficult. But you know, I, like I said, I still think there's still a lot of things you can glean from it. It is difficult watching games and be getting frustrated game after game. I'm one of those crazy people that do that. That just every game, I just set myself up, and you know, when Louisville's playing well, because this is the thing. Like it's like when I watch the games with my son, and he's like, "Dad, man, they look good right now. They're up 12 early." Like last week, uh, you know, uh, you know, last game versus I just give it a minute, uh, Boston son, just College. Give it a minute. I'm like, son, <laughs> patience, son. I, I, I hear what you're saying. They up, they they look good, but you know, just when when is that lead balloon going to drop? You know, like it's, you're just always waiting for that, and it's it, it's awful to to feel that way, and it's almost pleasantly surprising. Like the Boston College game was pleasantly surprising because at least offensively outside of the turnovers, which lost them the game, the offense looked decent, you know, and you had Jalen Withers, the Withers have a post for the, it's always like one of those, oh, well, this is going to be the game where Jalen Withers actually decides he wants to play. It only happens, it's kind of like that rare occurrence in the woods, like seeing like the mystical creature that you never hardly see. It's like Haley's comic. Yeah, yeah, 75 years. You know, but we get the Jalen Withers game where Jalen looks like, you know, he wants to be kind of an NBA prospect. You know, gives you the six um, points, the seven rebounds, a couple threes. You know. Now, now I just want somebody to make a meme of uh, of Jalen. It's like that old Sasquatch grainy picture. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> like, is that a Sasquatch? Yeah, <laughs> I think it is. Maybe. I don't know. It could be a guy in a suit. I'm telling you, it's like, is that the NBA? Like, uh, is that an NBA? NBA, is that an NBA factor? Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> It only comes up because if you if you were an NBA uh, evaluator and you only watched the good Jalen Withers game, you would think this dude, uh, <laughs> you know, was a first round you know potential candidate. Like if you only watched the selector tape to Sacramento immediately, yeah. <laughs> they will give him a bag. Absolutely, I, I promise oh. you. I mean, you know, you see a guy that size and you know six nine, two fifty, oh. 
athletic, can shoot the three, can handle. It's just like just cut out all oh, the with his connections, the Knicks are going to draft him. Yeah. <laughs> My Knicks are going to. Uh, yeah, hey, now that well, would absolutely be a Knicks pickup right there. That, that, that. Well, you know what, man? Like, if my Knicks are going to sign somebody that's not really going to help a whole lot, I'd like it to be a local kid that makes some money. It's fair. The, the Kenny Payne, Allen Houston connection, maybe that's what this is all for, to just get guys on the Knicks. Yeah. <laughs> just, right, the, the, the uh, Knicks feeder program. You know what? No wonder Louisville's so dysfunctional. It's because <laughs> he's bringing that Knicks philosophy <laughs> to the Ville. <laughs> and that was, that was what I worried about, is that he was going to – because, y'all, I'm a I'm – a, Tired Knicks fan. I just I just refuse to give up because I've been through too much BS with them to give up right before they might do something. That's fair. Like so, no, I'm stuck with them. Yeah. Like I am stuck with them. But I worried about that with Kenny when they were like, he's got NBA experience. And I was like, all NBA experience is not the same NBA experience. Trust me, I have NBA pass. I watch every Knicks game. It's terrible. You would have liked to, yeah, think, uh, you know, to see Kenny get some experience. I mean, when you talk about his experience being coach under. Uh, you know, John Calipari and then coaching at, with the Knicks, you know, two programs that seem to be very invested in just rolling the ball out there and not doing much of anything else. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Who could have seen this coming? <laughs> you know, it just it's, – it's tough. It, it is tough. Uh, texter text in says, watching Louisville uh, basketball is like watching the movie Groundhog Day. It is the same thing over and over and over again. I totally agree with you, and that's part of my problem. Absolutely is correct. Is that, you know, K- Kenny Payne is not doing anything to change anything. It just seems like he just continues to go out there and ask the same guys to do the same things and doesn't understand why it's still not working. You know? It's like he has the square peg in the round hole, and he's just continually trying to smash this peg into this hole that won't fit and does not know why it won't fit and refuses to stop trying to make it fit. That's what it does. And I'll, go, I'll tell you what it, what it feels like to me. Yes, sir. There's, there's a scene in Joe Dirt when he's trying to pull into the, into the parking lot, and uh, – the, the parking lot attendant is making fun of him. He's like, nice car. I got a nickname for it, Rusty. <laughs> and Joe Dirt just looks at him and shrugs. He goes, it'll buff out. <laughs> That's how I feel like every everything that every time that Kenny has met with criticism, either he or his fan base says, it'll buff out. No, it won't. <laughs> I mean, you know, it just, it just, it's, it's, like an evergreen, like like everything that Kenny's trying to do is, is is an evergreen situation. We will have to see if that gets better. ESPN noon, uh, excuse me, ESPN two at noon. Check it out. Uh, you are listening to Wake Up Five Hundred Two. Rashawn Myers, uh, Haven Harrington, Joe Kelly. We will be back on Big X Sports Radio. They taking Warren's wealth, they took my rings, they took my Rolex. I looked at the brother, said, damn, what's next? They got my homie hemmed up, and they all around. Can't let them see him if they going straight down for power. They want to come up real quick before they start to clown. I best pull out my strap and lay them busters down. Like Cypress Hill, I still feel these spit loogies when I'm 
Get you feeling good on that. Hey, Come on now. Hey, is that song? Is, is that song? Are you alluding to everybody who's going to chip in on that buyout? Because <laughs> I got ten on that song. <laughs> Very well played, Joe Kelly. Very well played. I got fire. fifteen for the whole wake up five hundred two crowd. I got us. You know what? Here's a twenty. Keep the change. The thoughts of Joe Kelly do not reflect the staff and management of Wake Up Five Hundred Two or its subsidiaries. <laughs> I can't tell. But I kind of hate to get on Twitter. <laughs> I know. Everybody thinks I'm just ready to throw Kenny out on the first thing smoking. I promise y'all, I'm not. I look like I always said from the beginning of this whole situation. All I do is react to the information that's being given. No more, no less. And unfortunately, most of the things that the information I've been given, I pretty much been right on point. Don't be mad at me. I'm just giving you the information. Don't shoot the messenger. Speaking of the messenger, before <laughs> I'm going to get back to these last couple of texts because somebody tried to be funny, y'all. Check this out. A <laughs> texter says, let me get my text in before Leanne calls in because y'all never go back to text messages once she's on. <laughs> he says, so why does the basketball team have a Duncan Cardinal on the shorts and this team never dunks? <laughs> Pitiful. <laughs> So that's fair. Like, man, because dunking's hard, man. Except for JJ Trainer, like JJ will dunk. Like he's the only one though. Like he, he's literally the only dude that that even tries. <laughs> I mean, you know, I I, I can't argue with that. <laughs> uh, so I mean, no, go ahead, John. I'm not even picky at how we. I'm not even picky about how we score anymore. I long for the days I could complain about we don't dunk enough and just get to. I mean, you know what? I think we had enough of this uh, basketball talk. This is championship weekend, after all. I mean, we do need to talk a little bit, maybe just a little bit, of NFC, AFC championship games. I'm just saying. And speaking of which, y'all, guess who we have? Y'all know who we have on the line? It is that time. See, text, I got your text in. So, and, and, in fact, let's go ahead and bring Leanne in here. Leanne, how you doing this morning, man? Morning, morning, doing good, doing good. How y'all doing? We are doing well. And, and let me tell you something, Leanne. I'm about to prove everybody wrong because I'm going to read a text with you on the line. Because they said we don't never go to text when Leanne is on the phone. So I'm going to prove them wrong right now. And I'm going to read this text. Uh, this text says, uh, 414-1450 on the Thorns text line. Uh, I really don't think <clears throat> he is that good of a coach, and that is most of the problem. We hired a guy in his mid-50s who had never coached a single game. Even if we get better players next year, I don't think he will get the most out of them. Also, we don't need uh, just a couple more players for next year. We need five or six. I don't think we can get that many. Uh, James and Hatfield could start next year if they stay, but the rest of them aren't good enough to be starters. Um, um, and should only get a few minutes off the bench. I totally agree with that. I mean, like I said, everybody, like, I feel like we've all identified the issues, um, you know, and, and I think that that's going to be a, a question moving forward is, is where we go from here. Um, so, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be um, a, a lot more that's going to have to play out. But speaking on, on that recruiting, Leanne, I know that we were going to chit-chat about a couple guys that Louisville uh, is, has coming in. we got National Signing Day Part 2 coming up next week. And, and uh, with that moving forward, uh, Jeff Brahms has got a couple of guys on campus this weekend. 
Yeah, it's a big weekend for campuses, you know, across the across the country. Most of them are hosting junior days, hoping to get, you know, the you know, intro of those twenty twenty fours that they haven't built a relationship that they might be wanting, but more importantly, get those those last minute guys that are still uncommitted. They'll be, you know, uh, great for their program. And Louisville's got two big playmakers. Uh, you know, I was talking to Haven about it uh, earlier this week, and I'm like, man, these two. If you get one of the one of the either one of these guys, Lou Spencer, who of course y'all are familiar with at Louisville, uh, played played over at Louisville Mill High School, and then he transferred just across the river to New Albany. Four star defensive lineman, but he can also play offensive lineman. This kid is on Kansas Day along with another offensive tackle out of Nashville, Joe Cocker, three star. I mean, two big guys that the cards could use in the trenches. These two guys can make a diff. Uh, you know. Uh, Big, big game changers. I know you probably guys have seen them um, a lot closer, especially Will Spencer. I mean, I was just impressed with a little film I saw from Will. Uh, I mean, the kid plays both ways. I- I've-, I've officially called him the grave digger because, I mean, he's got such a big body. He's got strength, but, man, he's quick off the snap. So I'm hoping today that the cards are going to really lose Spencer and-, and get him back to come home to Louisville because, man, that would be a huge get for the cards if they get either one of these kids. Absolutely. No, I, I'm very, very excited about both of those guys, uh, Wu Spencer and Joe Crocker, big-time players, big-time uh, offer sheets. You're talking about Joe Crocker, a kid, an offensive tackle. He is listed as a three-star, not a four-star prospect. But just to give you an idea, has um, scholarship offers from Georgia, from Wisconsin, from Michigan, Michigan State, uh, you know, basically every team in the Big Ten. Um, so, you know, anytime you're talking about alignment, of course, Jeff Brom having coached in the Big Ten the last several years, he knows what it takes, um, you know, because you have to be so strong on the lines offensively and defensively that, you know, when you're talking about being able to get two guys with those types of offer sheets, Wu Spencer has been um, offered by pretty much everybody. It sounds like his um, commitment is going to come down to a battle between UofL and UK. Um, but, you know, both of these guys are big-time prospects. And just the thought, that, that male high school, defense. If you remember from a couple of years ago, when you had Wu Spencer, you had Micah Carter, and you had Sailor Brown on that defensive line. That was one of the most talented defensive lines uh, that the state of Kentucky has ever seen. So the fact that Sailor Brown is already at Louisville, and now you have an opportunity. You already have Micah Carter in the fold, and now you could possibly add Wu Spencer as well. You know, I mean, that's you know, it, it is a that's very, a homecoming very reunion. That that that's like that's like what that's what just hearing that. Like I said, you you guys have seen that in action a lot closer up, and and I was impressed by we were just on the film. But that just reminds me of that that Joey, uh, you know, Joey Burrow, Jamar Chase reunion. I knew yes. when that went down that it was going to happen. That it was going to happen. So you know that like you said right there, the Cardinals are setting themselves up. A really big get, so I feel, and, and of course it would come down to the cards in the UK with Ruth Spencer, <laughs> which I thought was, was totally, it, it's just more icing on the cake, so I know that there's going to be a big, big push for them this weekend for sure. Absolutely, and it's kind of interesting because, of course, one guy that we've heard a lot of talk about um, was uh, Kendrick Gilbert, uh, the uh, four-star defensive lineman that's commit that's currently a commit to Purdue. That you know, Gilbert, when uh, when Jeff Brown first took the job, tweeted out a picture of him in Louisville gear, uh, and you know, got everybody excited, thing because you know he is Purdue's number one or top commitment. That people thought that you know Gilbert was going to be the guy. Of course, uh, we have seen Louisville bring in a bevy. Uh, of line prospects, but Gilbert's kind of been slow with his uh, decision-making, and it ended up being that Gilbert was thought to be coming to Louisville for a visit this weekend and has decided that he's going to instead go uh, to U.K., 
and he's going to actually go and check out the Wildcats. So it's kind of interesting because, you know, Wu Spencer was a guy that initially we thought was going to be at UK. And, you know, we were going to be looking at probably bringing in Gilbert as a part of the class. Well, now it looks like UK is, you know, possibly going to end up with Gilbert. Louisville's going to end up with Spencer. And Purdue's going to end up with nobody. <laughs> so, exactly, exactly. But, but I think, yeah, with the hire, like I said, and it just goes to show the relationships the coaching staffs built with these kids. You know, so when you see a big coaching change, and I think that's really what brought what brought Wu back on the table and some of these other big defensive linemen, the relationship they had with previous coaches, especially at Purdue, then with the switch, you know, um, him heading to Louisville. And I, and I think this is this is what we're seeing a lot now. A lot of, now I don't want to say flip-flop, but like you say, as coaches changes, as program changes, this is what I think this offseason, as far as recruiting goes, for those players that are still off the board, that still have an opportunity to sign, because most of them won't be there till the summertime anyway. So, you know, it gives it, it gives the opportunity to still fill those gaps and those voids that, you know, Louisville needs. Absolutely. I mean, and at the end of the day, even if you don't end up with Gilbert, with Donna J. Green already in the fold and already enrolled on campus, um, you know, we talked about the fact that Micah Carter is already a part of this team as well. Uh, and, of course, the boogeyman himself, Mr. Sadiq Clement. Uh, if you can finish it off with Wu Spencer, as a Louisville fan, on as far as your defensive line coming out of high school, uh, you got to be excited about it. So, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, and we'll have to see. Uh, signing day is coming up next week, Leanne. I know that this used to be the big day was National Signing Day, the one that's coming up next week. But, of course, with the early signing period and the early signing day, uh, it's kind of taken a lot of the pizzazz out of it. But still a big, big day next week. Uh, so we cannot wait um, to see what happens with that. But I tell you what, before we go ahead and get into our, our picks, I got a little something for y'all to listen to to get y'all in the right mindset, okay, in the, my, the right uh, uh, mind frame. So, so, so check this out, y'all. The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea, with a rollicking song he sweeps along, swaggering voicelessly. His face is weather-beaten, he wears a hooded sash, with a silver hat about his head, and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. You feel me? Do you feel me? It is time to talk about this AFC and NFC championship game. Just a little something. Like, what speaks to football more than that, y'all? Like, you know. That is, yeah, that's a good pregame right there. It's, it's setting the tone. It's setting the mood because, you know, like you said, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting one team is two, two games away, two games away. I mean, we are right here. Oh, you know, I, I, I hate the fact that there's that whole week between – uh, you know, between the uh, NFC AFC championship game, uh, you know, they put that extra week in there, um, you know, do the whole Pro Bowl stuff, even though this year it's apparently going to be a flag football game, uh, which is interesting. Uh, you know, they're no longer going to go with the actual football game, which is understandable. Um, but it's funny, the last time they did a flag football game, uh, former Patriots running back Robert Edwards, uh, they, did, they used to do a rookie flag football game uh, on the beach. 
uh, out there in Hawaii when the Pro Bowl was still out in Hawaii. And Robert Edwards had just come off like a 1,400-yard rushing season for the Patriots as a rookie uh, and tore his knee up, tore all three ligaments, and basically ended his career playing flag football. So uh, I I was actually out in Hawaii. I was stationed out there um, at Pearl Harbor at that time. Uh, so I was there when all of, all of that went down. So, you know, it's kind of interesting that they've now decided to bring the flag football back. Thank you that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they, they said it's not going to be on the beach. It's not going to be in the sand anymore. They're just going to, you know, kind of do like seven-on-seven seven type stuff. So, you know. Uh, it'll be interesting, but let's go ahead, uh, get to it. We got two big time games, two big time matchups uh, this Sunday uh, coming up. Of course, uh, 49ers, Eagles, Bengals, Chiefs um, have two big time games. Of course, the first one will be at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia. We have the Eagles hosting uh, the 49ers. The unbelievable run by Brock Purdy continues. That 49ers defense has been none short of outstanding. Uh, the Eagles have been just unbelievably consistent and unbelievably dominant um, in, in Jalen Hurd's second year um, as the man there. Uh, just um, the Eagles have been great, and I've been waiting. I've been one, Leanne, that's just been waiting for the Eagles to just kind of fall off and come back to earth because I just believe that they just couldn't continue to do that. Um, it does look like the, uh, that Philly is a two-and-a-half-point favorite with an over number of, under a 46 points. Uh, what are you thinking in this one? You know, this is a real interesting line. The line hasn't moved much. Uh, I was talking to other people, you know, other sports betters, and they were talking about how, like, the home teams aren't getting any love in this one with the Eagles or the Chiefs. I was real surprised when I saw the lines and how there's been little movement. It just goes to show you how close it's going to be. And you hit it loud, you know, we're talking about that, about the Niners. They just, and the key word is inconsistent. I saw with that number one defense. And Brock Purdy, for being named Mr. Irrelevant, Mr. Irrelevant is two games away from playing for the biggest game of his life. You know, and what I like about the Niners, and I think what, um, what's really been a game changer for them, is they're a team that knows how to play to their strengths and, and to help with their weaknesses. They stayed in their lane. Brock Purdy, if you've seen him, uh, he's, he's been consistent with his throwing. And more importantly, he, he can throw mid-range things, but he stays in his lane. But, you know, it's, it doesn't, it's, not a, it's not a bad thing, the, the cast of playmakers he has. I mean, when you got guys like Debo Samuel, of course, Christian McCaffrey, and Kittle out there uh, to be able to be targets and stuff, it helps everything, and then uh, Purdy's been able to, to, to take a little bit off with it, having a solid run game, and like I said, pair that with the defense, and Niners make a hell of a heck of a run. And Philly, well, Philly's just been playing outstanding, even with Jalen Hurts teeter-tottering with those injuries. You know, everyone has stepped up on that Philadelphia, and I feel like in this game, as much as I want, I think the Niners are going to cover, take hands down that two and a half points, but I feel like the Eagles are just a little bit better, and they have the, the tools to out 49-49ers in this one. And then when they play at home at Lincoln Financial, I just feel like everybody in the momentum going this. So I'm going to take Philly to roll in this one, but I think the 49ers keep it close and they cover. Okay, okay, there we go. Uh, Jay, uh, Joe, what are you thinking on this one? Philly minus two and a half. Last time we got a uh, Jalen Hurts-Brock Purdy matchup, Iowa State lost to Oklahoma in an absolute shootout. I think the score was 52-49. Yes. It was just back and forth all day. I don't expect offense like that. I also think Brock Purdy's story, as Leanne mentioned, you know, me had two games or four quarters away from playing for the championship is Mr. Irrelevant. That's a great story. It's cool and all, but man, he's got a he's he's got a lucky horseshoe up his rear end or something because that <laughs> throw he made last week, rolling left against his body, Kittle bobbles it. If the defender is one step ahead, he takes Kittle out for the rest of the game. Yeah, I mean that was one of those ER throws. 
where your your receiver comes back to the huddle and says, "Hey, man, uh, you know we made the play, but don't ever do that again, or I'll kill you." Yeah. He hung that man out on a on a line, and, and it just everything has been clicking for him. It's a great story. I just don't see it lasting. Philly's a monster. I've been riding with Philly since I think October. I'm going to take Philadelphia. I think they're going to cover. I think it'll be a close game, but I think in the fourth quarter, Brock Purdy's going to look like Mr. Irrelevant. He's going to make some bad turnovers. The game's going to get out of control in the last seven minutes or so. I like it. I like it. Haven Harrington, what are you thinking? How about them Cowboys? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I sit, I sit at home. I sit at home right where they should be. <laughs> Don't add Dak Prescott. Man. He was horrible. He was awful. He was – He was. I, I was shocked at how bad he was. If, if, if he plays a better game, I think the Cowboys probably would have got that win. If he plays a decent game, the Cowboys probably win easily. Because yeah. the defense did enough to win. I agree. The special teams enough to win. Except for Dak. But you know what? That's sour grapes. There ain't nobody talking about the Cowboys. That's Let's sour grapes. You know that. what? I, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I I never liked the 49ers. I never have liked the 49ers. So give me Jalen Hurts and the Eagles just because my hate of the 49ers. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tell you what. On this one, I, I, I am a romantic and I love the story. And just the idea of Disney immediately commissioning a movie to be made when Brock Purdy takes a team to the Super Bowl as Mr. Irrelevant. Like, literally, the name of the movie is going to be Mr. Irrelevant. It's going to be... And who's going to play Nick Saban? Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. we got to figure out who's going to... Uh, probably Nick Saban will probably play Nick Saban in the movie, knowing him. But Zac Efron's going to be cast as uh, Brock it's Purdy. It's going to be Paul Giamatti <laughs> Nick Saban. There you go. <laughs> and, and I can already see it, and I really want the storybook to happen, especially on, fact of the, on top of the fact I can't stand Jalen Hurts. I don't like the Eagles. The Eagles fans are the biggest jerks in all of, of pro sports. I, I, I could definitely do without hearing the Eagles. Uh, and I'm sorry, Trevor Kelsey. You know, that's my dude. But sorry, Trev, I'm rolling against the Eagles. I want to see it continue. So McCaffrey, Debo, and the rest of those guys, Kittle is absolutely amazing. The fact that he was able to make that catch and avoid the big hit was unbelievable. That was like some Matrix-type stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that the storybook continues. Uh, give me the 49ers. Um, I, I'm taking them, and I'm taking those two-and-a-half points, and I think the 49ers get the outright win. Uh, so give me the Niners. Um, uh, moving on uh, to the second, uh, the second game, of course, uh, Joe Burrow and the Swaggy Bengals, who just went out there and absolutely dog-walked the Bills up there in Orchard Park. Probably the biggest boss move of the playoffs that I've seen in a while to just go out there and just completely destroy the uh, Vegas odds-on Super Bowl favorite coming into the year, a team that had all the momentum. They had the uh, emotional uh, uplifting of the, the whole DeMar Hamlin situation. And you know what? The Bengals said, I spit on your, on, on your emotions. I spit on everything and just went out there and just took them out. So you got the Bengals coming up here with all the swag, taking on the, the Chiefs. Uh, we all know Patrick Mahomes, uh, the high ankle sprain. His health is a big question. He came to the press conference showing no limp. He went out there, went full through practice. Um, is it smoke and mirrors? KC is a one-and-a-half point favorite over number of 48. Leanne, what do you think about this one? 
I mean, you covered it all. It's the Bengals. I mean, that's really how you define their calm, cool, collective. Joey Burrow on those third downs, uh, the defense, they, they, they dialed up, you know, a lot. And that's the thing about the Bengals, and I think that's why I'm going to take, the, before you get, you get into these, I'm going to take the Bengals. I'm glad to see the line moved half a point, so I'm going to even take, take the Bengals, and I'm going to call another, another upset. I called it last week against the Bills. I just think that they're playing a little bit better. You talked about Mahomes' injury. Is it injury or he's hurt? I think at this point in the season, he's really... He's a lot more injured than he is hurt, and I think that's going to be that's going to be a difficulty. I mean, the, the Chiefs really are going to have to step it up. You know, they're a great elite team; they got a lot of playmakers, but they're going to have to flip the script on like what the Bengals did. They're going to have to control the clock. They're going to have to grind it out, uh, just like they did it in Jacksonville. And that's going to be a tough call because, you know, like I said, is this defense, this offensive line, going to be able to step it up against the swagger that the Bengals are bringing, especially with Joe with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. Uh, can do in, in those third downs. I mean, I feel like this one's going to go down to the wire, but Joey Burrow on those third downs, on two, some crucial plays at the, at the end, he's just going to come up with it. And I think the Bengals are, are going to pull up the upset in Kansas City, so I'm going to take the Bengals. There we go. There we go. Joe, what are you thinking, sir? I absolutely love Joe Burrow, but I think their fan base is trash. <laughs> uh, the mayor of Cincinnati is a whole-ass punk for doing that. Uh, what was it? The DNA test to confirm oh, that yeah. Joe Burrow is Patrick <laughs> Mahomes' daddy. That was hilarious, <laughs> man. I hope y'all. I hope they go. Uh, Kansas City goes upside y'all's head for that one. <laughs> That's just so Cincinnati. Remember who you are. Hey, congratulations John. on making it to back-to-back conference <laughs> championships, but you are still Cincinnati. Hey, the swag is is palpable uh, there, Joe. They just they <laughs> haven't done anything to have it. I know, and. And, and honestly, I used to say this, that the Golden State Warriors proved the theory that you can only win so much before people start hating you. Yeah. Because they went from being everybody's darling to, if Draymond Green kicks one more dude in the groin, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> and that's how the Bengals feel right now to me. But they don't even have a ring. Right. Yes. Like, what world are we living in where you talk that kind of smack while putting cinnamon in your, in your chili? Man, shut up, nerds. Go win something. <laughs> <laughs> so noodles now, and cinnamon don't belong in chili. Go Chiefs! <laughs> there it is, there it is, Joe Kelly with the strong rebuttal. I love it, uh, Haven. What are you thinking in this one, man? You know it's hard to go against the Bengals because they're just playing lights out. What they did last week, going to Buffalo and just laying the woodshed. I mean, Buffalo's never, never in the game. The Bengals took it to my offense, defense, special teams. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I think like isn't Joe Burrow like three and zero against Patrick Mahomes? Three and zero. Yes. Three and zero. That's why they doing that DNA test. You know what? Let's make it four and zero. That's what's up, Bengals. I mean, Jamar Chase Burrow. I, I, that's a deadly combination. <laughs> hey, no, nah, hey, that, that that is fair. That is fair. Um, uh, uh, you oh, know what? The, in the NFL, please stop being racist and hire uh, Eric Bieniemy as, as head coach in Texans. Please stop hiring black coaches just to tank your season. <laughs> so you can just try to get like the number one pick. Wow. Yeah, I, I just, I, I, I just want to put it out That's there real hilarious. quick. <laughs> I tell you what, this would have been a great game. And the reason why I say this would have been a great game, because I believe Patrick Mahomes has about three hits in him. I like uh, I heard somebody mm. on the radio saying last night, you know, he doesn't think Patrick Mahomes will make it out of the first quarter. I tend to agree with him. I think that that, you know, him coming out there and showing all this bravado and showing that he's not hurt, you don't come back from a high ankle sprain and play the very next week. That was a very ugly hit he took. It was a very unfortunate hit he took. I think he's got 3 hits on that leg 
before he is immobile. Um, that was an absolute fumble last week in the game. It should have been called a fumble. I feel like that was a huge turning point in the game versus Jacksonville. If Jacksonville gets that fumble at the end of the first half, I think that's probably a different ball game. Chad Henney um, did a great job of coming in, going 98 yards and getting that big touchdown. But I think that if they get that turnover at the end of the first half and Jacksonville can get that lead, um, I think things could have been different. Um, I don't think that Mahomes is healthy. I don't think he can be who he is. His mobility and his ability to make plays outside the pocket and get those timely third down runs um, are a big part of why Kansas City is uh, able to be so explosive, especially um, you know now that Tyreek Hill is gone. Um, so you know what? Give me the Bengals. I, I don't even think it's necessarily going to be that close. I think the Chiefs will try to give it some fight, but I think we'll see Chad Henney very early in this game, and unfortunately it's going to um, – um, be tough, uh, but th- those are. Chad my, uh, passed me to Henny, still in the league. Hey, hey, I know. I, I didn't even realize it. I, it was like Chad Henny coming in. I was like, ah, Henny's Henny right? He's still alive, right? Right. I was shocked, uh, but yeah, we're gonna see what happens. But Leanne, as always, I definitely appreciate your your thoughts. So I cannot wait to talk to you again. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you for having me on. It was a good time. Absolutely, absolutely. There we go. Leanne Herring, make sure you check out everything that she does. Uh, the Rebel Walk um, does so many great things covering college and NFL. Uh, appreciate her picks uh, every week. Um, you know, and I look at this. Guess what, y'all? I got a minute left. I'm going to read another text. Uh, and I love this one. He says, I'm a Bengals hater, but that guy on your show sucks. Joe Kelly or something. Dude sucks. <laughs> Joe, he don't like you talking about the Bengals. <laughs> oh, that, that is, I, I saw that and I had to get to it before we got out of here. That was funny. <laughs> Let me say it with all my chest. Bengals Oh, yeah. <laughs> you do too, clown. Oh, gosh. Joe Kelly, y'all. Joe Kelly. Hey, I tell you what, fellas, man. I definitely appreciate you guys. We about to get out of here. Um, definitely uh, uh, appreciate all of your uh, all your thoughts. Haven Harrington, Joe Kelly. This is Rashawn Myers. We about to get out of here. We got five on it. I don't know if it's for the buyout or what. But either way, we'll be back next week. Thank you, guys. Like Eddie Murphy, I got more growing pains than Maggie. Cause homie snagged me.